1: Lee Miller of Dance Moth She runs the world when it comes to dance competitions. And welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz. I am so geeked out right now because the way my guest came to me, we say in Yiddish beshert was meant to be. I'm walking around a mall in Los Angeles, the Beverly Center, and my daughter suddenly runs away, scampers off, and starts talking to a woman in a wheelchair. I'm thinking who is this and Gabby looks like she's a little starstruck and then i take a closer look and i see it's Abby Lee Miller yes the cutthroat dance choreographer of dance moms that show that reality show that really captured the attention of so many people back in 2011 yes. when it launched and she is my guest today because what a story you guys are going to flip when you hear it but um i got to tell you my When my kid turned 10, Abby, 2011, we let her watch a bit of television beyond Dora the Explorer, right? One day she comes to us and says, can you take me to a dance studio on Long Island? And I'm thinking, (laughs) I'm sorry, we're in New Jersey as if that isn't bad enough. Now I have to go to Long (laughs) Island on a Sunday. It was to see the Dance Moms Miami kids who were making an appearance The public appearance. You didn't come to see me? I know. Well, she would have. She was absolutely thrilled at the thought of even coming within the the golden aura of all things Dance Moms. And since then we have been fans of the show even as you,
0: well, it wasn't really the same when you weren't there for a couple of years, but you you. are back. Yes, yes. It wasn't a couple of years I wasn't there but it was maybe four or five episodes. Mm -hmm. It seems like that to people, but (laughs) it, it wasn't that long. But then the show ended and, you know, I did my staycation. Honestly, it's, yeah, staycation. Thank you. Isn't it odd, though, how they always showed me screaming at children Mm -hmm. and kids crying and running around and I'm fighting with the parents, but yet I'm in a mall shopping and every teenager who recognized me had to come up. They want to hug me. They want their picture with me. They are not intimidated in the least because they know I want the best for kids and they get that. The kids get it exactly, and I would also say they love you because
1: they also see that you have the best interests in the for the kids in mind. And and yes. kids actually want boundaries.
0: They do, and they want somebody who's going to push them and make them be the best. And that's what you've done because
1: uh, your Abby Lee Dance Company has won award after award. Have you lost track?
0: Oh yes definitely so many one statistic i do know is that i've had students in 32 broadway shows you're kidding no which ones oh goodness broadway Uh, shows wicked the dance supervisor all over the world footloose original cast uh the share show that's running right now uh choreographer of uh Dear Evan Hansen, mm-hmm. oh. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I have two kids doing Steven Spielberg's new West Side Story Whoa. film. Yes. I mean, uh. come on. I didn't just have these five kids in Pittsburgh running around <laughs> to a dance competition every week with psycho mothers, did I? No. <laughs> you got a business to run. Yes, with. this is legit. You started the Abby Lee Dance Company
1: uh, in your teens through your mom's dance storefront. Correct. Uh
0: Forgive me if my jaw just dropped at age 14. Really? At 14. Well, I was a child that did everything. You know, I was on the swim team at the country club, I played the clarinet. I went to sewing school at Sears. I, you know, did all these different things. I went to charm school at a, a local department store. And my dad took me because my mother was at the studio. Mm-hmm. So he would get home from work around three o'clock. He's the one that did all the after school activities. He even had to take me to the mother daughter talk at the school. Poor guy. And uh, my mother didn't want me at the studio to be a studio brat because she knew so many other dance teachers who their own daughter was in the front, in the middle, in every number. You know, and she didn't want that for me. And I really didn't have that great of an interest. I, I did go with my mother away every summer and I studied from great master teachers or, or from around the world. And we would always be in Orlando or Las Vegas or LA and New York City. And I would take class at these conventions. So I like the different styles. I like learning mm. and the Broadway shows and costuming. So the very first flyer came to our house in the mail. Uh, when I was 13. And it was about a dance competition. I said, Mom, Mom, I want to enter this. I want to do this. And she said, You want to do a solo in a dance competition? I said, No, I want to choreograph a routine. Ah. So I had three girlfriends, I taught them a trio. I found the costumes, I rhinestone them myself, I did everything I entered it. Surely not a good businesswoman, I probably didn't charge the three kids, I probably did it all (laughs) for nothing. And I put them in the competition, and they won. And so I had that twelve-inch little plastic trophy, and instantly I knew what I was supposed to do with my life. You were bitten by that that bug. That big, win, big yes. leap,
1: big leap, though, to go from that to where you are today. How did Dance Moms, which in two thousand eleven was an immediate sensation, come
0: along? A fr- friend of mine, uh, John Carella was a dancer, a professional dancer. He had done, you know, Celine Dion, World Tour, Janet Jackson, Paula Abdul, all that kind of stuff. And he was kind of getting towards the end of his career and had to pay his credit cards off somehow. And he thought, I'm going to create a television show. But he was, we were both at a national convention in Las Vegas, one of these big conventions with thousands of kids and teachers from all over. And he was there with a group, a small group of kids that he was teaching. And here I am, going on 30 years in the industry, doing this every summer, you know. And I had my good, advanced, older students at this competition where he was. But I had my little, more novice, you know, first-timers at another convention down the street. So I said, those kids are about to do their solos, the little ones, let's go. And he came, we walked in, their solos were on, and uh, one of the breakout star kids, you know, was on stage. And he turned and looked at me and he said, oh, my God. They're adorable. Those faces need to be on television. Then I took them outside to meet their mothers (laughs) who were drunk and broke and laying at the pool, bitching about something. And he was like, he looked at me and said, this is going to be good. Now, he found a partner who had done some stuff, Brian Stinson, who had done some kid stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, They together formed a partnership. They took the show around. Uh, They had a production company, Collins Avenue, who gave them a couple thousand bucks to shoot a sizzle. They shot the sizzle and it was eight by tens from my computer in Pittsburgh that I had to hurry up and send. Footage from my recitals. You know, so they put this all together with mothers screaming and kids crying and mothers screaming and kids crying. And (laughs) they put the sizzle together and 11 networks were interested. 11. And then, you know, it went down to six and then, four and two, and it became a fight between Lifetime and Bravo. And Bravo was killing it with their Housewives Mm -hmm. franchise. Yes, So Lifetime thought, you know what? We're going to get this. It's going to be a Housewives show based in a dance studio. So this way, we're going to kill two birds with one stone. We're going to get the Dancing with the Stars. And so you think you dance, we're going to get their numbers and the Housewives numbers. And they actually did. And they actually did. Yes. Uh,
1: But, you know, so much of reality TV has to center. The linchpin is the drama. I mean, there is a reason it's called Dance Moms and not Dance Kids. These these moms are... I think Dance
0: Monster would have been a good name.
1: (laughs) Monster. I'm holding that for
0: another series. Yes. Uh,
1: Because the moms are honestly the worst cases of stage mothers I have ever seen.
0: And I'm from Los Angeles. But that original cast, those moms... I could have done the show 10 years before that, five years before that. It's You're always going to have a small group of kids who have talent or pretty, whatever. And then you have these mothers who are absolutely nuts. But the
1: kids, it seems, take the criticism and
0: insults way better than the adults do. Right. Well, the child's looking in the mirror. They see what they did wrong. They know they were off the music or beat behind or whatever they're being corrected on.
1: Have you ever listened to a mom afterward and thought, You know what? She was right. I was too tough on the kid.
0: No. Simple as that. Simple as that. And I always, you know, slept well at night. I never regretted anything that I said to the kids because I knew what the outcome could be. I dreamed bigger for those kids than they could have even ever imagined. Just like the kids I have here, you know, uh, the, the, the boy in Hamilton or this or that or whatever. Those kids didn't have those dreams. They were from Pittsburgh. Their parents weren't going to take a day off of work to drive them to New York City for an audition. Are you kidding? I'm the one that got the substitute to teach for me. I'm the one that paid for the gas money. I'm the one that drove them back and forth. You've changed the course of some of these kids' lives. I
1: have. Okay, Beyonce, Madonna, they're all great dancers. You know, Kenny Ortega, who choreographed high school musicals, amazingly creative. Where and from whom
0: do you get your inspiration? Well, Kenny Ortega is one. Really? Yes, he's one of my heroes. He gave me a huge compliment. We were at a fundraiser type dinner thing with the arts and dance and he was walking across the room, a big ballroom towards me and he was using a cane at the time he had just had surgery and my date looked, I said, oh my God, oh my God, you have to get a picture of us. You have to get a picture. (laughs) Kenny Ortega is walking this way. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Before he even got Close to me, he was like, Abby Lee, I want you to know you have done more for dance in this world than anybody else in this room. And I teared up. I could not believe this man that had done so much was saying that to me. Mm -hmm. But because I reached the masses, our show aired in 134 countries. So all the other shows, dance shows... They have their own show in other countries with their own host and their own contestants, not dance moms. Well, it, there's only one you. Well, I wasn't even on the show to begin with. I was never to be on the show. I was just paid, Well, pff, I wasn't paid, let's say that. I was I was just <laughs> asked to be an on-camera choreographer.
1: Oh. So I had
0: to sign paperwork that if I got caught in, in a camera. In the camera it was fine, right. And then, uh, yeah, and then I ended up signing my life away. Four years with a four-year option for $1,500 an episode. Oh, and here
1: I thought you were a great businesswoman.
0: No, I'm a great dance teacher. <laughs> I'm a good choreographer. I'm not a great businesswoman. It's it's That's a difficult thing in a dance studio. Do you stand out at the front desk? Mm-hmm. Do you collect the money from the parents? Do you know what kid owes you and what kid is paid in full? Or do you stay in the studio and you make stars? it's it's a fine line. A lot and to do. I need and I chose my dad ran my business, so it was great until he passed away. But that's when things tanked.
1: Either way, you know, when you look at all the people on planet Earth, one tenth of one hundredth of one percent have reached what you have. So you're on this incredible roll, millions of viewers, Thank and then you. In 2015, you're charged and convicted of fraud, and a judge gives you one year and a day in prison. You know, I'm interested to know, what was it like going from the toast of reality TV to handing over your personal effects and hearing the prison door lock behind you?
0: Uh, scary. Scary. That drive to Victorville, California, was insane. Uh of course, Lifetime was filming it, even when it said, no cameras, and you see the barbed wire and you're driving in, they're laying on the floor with cameras. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, but you know, I went in, I had two consultants, one that my attorneys in Pittsburgh hired, well, I hired, and one that Lifetime hired to talk to me. Both of them were dead wrong on every single thing they told me. I would have felt much better you know, knowing what I know now when I went in. You know, you can't buy anything when you come out. You can't work for yourself. Can't do this. You can't do that. That was all just rubbish because I didn't owe anybody anything. I had paid right there when I was sentenced. They said that I brought $120,000 home from Australia. Not true. I brought my 10. Uh, You would have to check with some of the other mothers to see where that money actually went. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: To be continued. But, you know, speaking of mothers, some moms from the show back then – who maybe thought, I don't know, that you were too tough on their kids, might say, Karma Abby Lee,
0: what do you say to those moms? You know, it's upsetting because you wouldn't know those moms' names or their children if it wasn't for me. I'm not saying that they didn't all play a part. Obviously, they did. However, it was my friend who created the show. Had their children attended a different dance studio in Pittsburgh, they would have never even known about the auditions or the the meetings. The kids never really auditioned for the show at the beginning. The mothers sat in front of a microphone and they were put on camera. Nobody danced. Nobody. At you the made beginning. them a- as champions. Yes. And then they looked at me and said, you know, the network looked at me and said, oh, and you're going to do a new number every week. And I thought, with who? These kids take six months to learn a number. Years before,
1: you know, I'm thinking about the prison term, years before Martha Stewart, and I covered this, obviously, because it was mm-hmm. a big business story, she was in prison. She made friends during her prison stint for lying to federal authorities about a stock sale. She even walked out wearing a poncho that one inmate had crocheted for her. She, she made friends. What were the
0: women you met in prison like? Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, many of them well-educated, super smart ladies Uh, You know, some naive, like I consider myself, I trusted people. I thought everything was being handled. Uh, You know, I didn't really know the laws. I didn't know the rules. And there's women that are there for seven, 10 years for signing for a registered letter. They didn't make the money on the deal. They didn't know what was in the letter. But because they should have known, they're in prison.
1: Was there a moment ever at night where you'd experience something and you just, you know, tears came to your eyes?
0: Many times. In prison? Many times. You know, I sat there and watched the Emmys and I used to go to the Emmys. I vote on the nominees for the Emmys. I'm a part of the Television Academy. And here I'm sitting in a, in a prison wearing army green khaki with a bunch of... Other women, and they're fighting with me over not watching the Emmys. I'm like, we're watching the Emmys. It's television. I'm on TV. Come on. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and and just so many things, so many things. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I was scared to death, but I did make friends. Uh, These are wonderful women. And when I'm off probation, I will contact them and we will be friends for the rest of our lives. How much longer are you on probation? I've done one year and two months. I had two years of probation.
1: All right. So and none,
0: nothing had to do with drugs or right. drinking. I don't have a drug test. There's nothing like that because of what my case was about. And that's another interesting thing. Uh, the the SIS person in the prison, a wonderful man, he let me continue my social media and my Instagram and everything. Not I didn't do it, but I was allowed to let it keep going mm-hmm. and hire somebody else to run it. And he read my case from cover to cover and he said you know this would have never happened in california you would not be here Mm. then the new warden that we got looked at me i i requested a meeting with the warden damn it i want (laughs) to meet people looked at me all the other inmates were like what are you crazy I said, why does that not shock me that you walked in and owned the place no i didn't but they they took away all my uh You know, my luxuries, I couldn't go to the commissary. I wasn't allowed to use the phone, this, that, and the other thing, because the fourth day I was there, I was speaking in code. What I said the men had sickled feet, and they wrote down pickled feet, (laughs) and it was some kind of gang code. I'm like, for what? This is ridiculous. And all my luxuries were taken away from me. It was horrible, you know? And so, I mean, I just, they were just so out to get me for every little thing. I was examined with a microscope from morning, you know, when I woke up until my last, you know, moment before I went to sleep at night and just coming into my room and slamming my locker over, taking cherry soda, shaking it up, spilling it all over your clothes. I mean, they just did things to ride you, ride you, ride you, ride you. And, uh, you know, it was, it was crazy. I learned a lot, Mm -hmm. but was it the best thing for me? No. Could my whole cancer uh, misdiagnosis, all of this, could that have been caused by taking me off cold turkey, that medication, the diabetes medication, the thyroid medication? Absolutely, yes. They don't like to take medication? Oh, well, they took me off mine cold turkey. They so said I didn't need it anymore.
1: Oh, my.
0: Yeah. That's a whole other issue. But, mm. but my point being is, you know, other women weren't i didn't see this go on right. with other people and you know different guards or counselors or officers had their person that they liked to pick on you know i just happened to be one for many people to pick on and going back to the case even the the new warden who was wonderful to me said what are you doing here like how did you get here? This is crazy. Yeah, well, prison
1: reform is really, really important. Yeah. I mean, it's something that your fellow reality TV star, Kim Kardashian, has pushed for. She's advocated to get more than a dozen people
0: released. She's done it successfully. Yes, and I would love to sit down and talk to her because I know so much information and so many things that I found out that I had no idea. I had no, Growing up, a nice Catholic kid in Pittsburgh, I didn't know that our government did this. I didn't know that the FBI came in with machine guns and pointed them at your dog and said, you know, bleep, 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 the dog. And it, <laughs> it was like, that's nuts to me. I mean, I, I had friends who had kids in the bathtub and they aimed machine guns at these kids. This, It's, it's insane. One year, and I think it was 14, I paid $648,000 in income tax. Now they have me raking leaves for 27 cents an hour Mm. for one hour a day. That was my job. And it was outside. It was in the sun. They let me pick it. It was great. But point being, how is the government now they're feeding me three times a day. They put a roof over my head in L.A. Hey, that's expensive rent, right? And now they're going to make. The taxes on twenty seven cents an hour versus what I was paying before. So, does any of this collective experience show up in some way, shape, or form in your personality in the new season? No, none at all. No, I think going to prison hardens you. I don't think it makes you softer by any means. So you're still you're still riding the kids. Right? I'm still riding the kids, but that's a whole different concept, you know. Somebody needs to point their feet or straighten their legs or get higher or do their aerial right and cut under harder. Those are technical things that I know that I can see that I can fix and I can correct. Could you ever do what those kids do even in your past? Could you do an aerial? No, no. No. I always saw the vision. I was always more the creator. You know, to take nothing and create something out of it. Think about it. You know, I have a child standing before me. I have to find music, I have to find a theme, I have to create a costume, I have to do the makeup, I have to do the hair. i It's not like you're baking a cake, and you have the flour, and you have the water, and you have the oven, and you have instructions. It's just out of nothing, you make something incredible. Well, you, you obviously have a gift. But I think it's interesting to note that you're
1: loved, yet you're despised by some because you're so tough, perhaps, and, and they see you making tiny little dancer girls cry, you know, how should people interpret that? And I ask that, as somebody who's been very feminist in my own ways, and mm-hmm. I hate double standards. I mean, high school football coaches yell and scream at their c-
0: players all the time, yet that's looked at as sort of a strong while they're sp- character building. Yes, while they're spitting and scratching themselves. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't, It is a double standard, I think, because it's feminine, because it's women, usually. uh, I also think that editing played a huge role in seven seasons of Dance Moms. We shoot 40 hours of film to get one hour of television. So imagine all the nice, sweet, wonderful things I say. They don't fit in the hour of TV. That would be boring. If everybody was sweet and nice and I patted these kids on the back all the time and told them how great they were, we wouldn't have a TV show that went seven seasons in 134 countries. We wouldn't now being on season eight with a whole new crop of viewers, a whole new bunch of little kids that are idolizing the dancers on the show, that are learning from it. Every single dance teacher in the country, I think was flipping out angry when the show first started. And as time went on, And their kids came walking in and wanted to take more private lessons and kids wanted solos and mothers were willing to pay and people wanted to come more. Everybody's business grew. Oh,
1: my daughter came in after watching the show and said, Mom, I'd like to take a summer class at the Joffrey
0: Ballet because one of your students, live on the air, got accepted to the Joffrey. Yeah, friends of mine. Um, Edith Dario, who's since passed, used to run the Joffrey, dear friend. But it's really fascinating to see that you
1: may have
0: inspired an entire generation of kids to dance. We did. There's no doubt about it. When I teach a master class, I could have 500 kids on the floor, and I ask who started to dance because of Dance Moms. And when those hands go up in the air, then I knew what I did was right. You know, it wasn't good for my business. I will tell you that. You know, it it five kids in a class got on the show and the other 13 quit that didn't get on the show. Wow. Yeah. And not only did I lose that tuition for a year, I lost that tuition until that child turned 18 and somebody else got it. But you're so forceful and you're you're almost
1: like a, a either a meteor that knows no bounds or a hurricane. I don't mean to genuflect here because <laughs> I I know. I understand with warts and all that you've made some mistakes. But, oh, absolutely. you know, they say you really find out who your true friends are when you go through rougher, embarrassing times. Who's stuck with you during the low and hardest times?
0: Uh, Nicola Brown. Nicola. Uh, she is now my assistant, but she was a friend. She came to prison every single week to visit me. Uh, she's just good at reading people, you know, and... It, It's always, and I I think as dance teachers, we discuss this, my colleagues and I, it's the people you don't do anything for that are there for you. The people you bend over backwards for, the kids you buy dinner every weekend, the kids you buy the dress for, the this for, the that for, the gave the best solo to, those are the people that don't know your name anymore. My dad used to say, no good deed goes unpunished. Correct. That's true. And I have a, a dear friend in Ireland uh, Marion and she, my little leprechaun lady. And she always says, if you need a favor, ask a stranger. And wow. now that, yeah. And now that I'm in a wheelchair, I depend, depend on strangers every single day to open the door for me, to reach the dress on the rack that I can't get down in a department store to, uh, little things, you know, trying to get close enough to a wall to plug in my phone when there's furniture in the way behind it. I can't move the furniture. can't physically move it. I'm, I'm in the way. My wheelchair's in the way. So I depend on strangers every single day. Let's get to why you're in a wheelchair. I had emergency spine surgery without an MRI, without a CT scan, without anything. He went in blind because I was dying. And he turned to my three friends that Uh, I'm going to mention them. Gianna, Mm -hmm. who was my assistant on the show, who danced for me her entire life. Uh, Diana Kazanjian, who was my hair and makeup artist on the show, who has become my dear, dear friend and kind of manages my studio and my retail store in LA. And Nikki Brown. So the three of them are there. And this man turns to them and says, I have 10 minutes to get in there or we're going to lose her. He didn't ask them if they wanted to me to have the surgery. There was no questions asked. It was, this is what's going to happen. My blood pressure was 23 over 17. You made it through. I did. I was so out of it. They had me so, I want to say, drugged up uh, with, you know, I lost 127 pounds in prison. I was in the best shape I'd been in for years. I, you know, my legs were thin. They were muscular. I, I, I was great. I was ready to set the world on fire. I was in the halfway house for one week. You take some classes, you do this, you do that. The pain started in the back. I thought it might be my sinus. Then, uh, you know, I I went to doctor, 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 went into the hospital, was admitted for three days, released in more pain than I went in with, went back in less than 12 hours later into the emergency room, again, was told to go home and take it easy for seven to 10 days. So I finally went to the spine surgeon, Dr. Human Malamed, and he had stuck me across the street from his office, in uh, Cedars Marina del Rey to get a an MRI mm-hmm. sedated, a twilight MRI. Well, they did that. But what happened was my arms and legs were involuntarily spasming <sighs> all over the place. So the test was inconclusive. Oh. My doctor reads it at home on the internet, or, you know, his email. It's inconclusive. So they didn't find anything, right? No. They could never get the test done, was what they actually should have written. 48 hours later, I was in intensive care, paralyzed from the neck down. Now, what is your physical state like? Can you actually walk or are you... My cancer is gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did 10 rounds of very, very invasive, horrific poison in my body and spinal tap, and then shooting it up my spinal cord around my brain. Nuts. It's all nuts. Okay. Then... I uh, can walk. I mean, I can walk between two parallel bars. Mm-hmm. I can take about 10 steps. When I take an and this is after I used to have these AFOs, uh, you know, braces on my ankles so my foot wouldn't flop. This is not being able to lift up my right foot, the toes, the, uh, everything. Mm-hmm. I learned how to learn to sign my name again. I couldn't even sign my name with a pen. That When they cut through my back, they cut through seven layers of stuff, you know, skin, this, that, and the other thing, to get to your spinal cord. And when he removed that, he just thought it was an infection. He had no idea it was Burkitt lymphoma at the time. And Burkitt lymphoma is deadly. And I think it was only growing between three and five weeks. If you get to eight weeks, you're, you're dead. You're done. But as fast as it grows, it also dies as fast. So you can get rid of it quickly. And I did. And let's knock on wood or on a wooden dance floor, that it never comes back. Well,
1: I'll tell you what's come back.
0: You, Abby Lee Miller,
1: coming back, and it is one of the greatest professional and personal stories ever told. And I am thrilled that you're here on Everyone Talks to Liz to do this.
0: Well, thank you so much. And I am so happy that I got to be one of those people on Everyone Talks to Liz. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I do have to ask, because
1: I know we're going to have listeners who want to know, Brady is the first boy on your team here.
0: Yes. And in real life, in reality, I'm actually known for training boys. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a guy in Hamilton. I have guys that have gone on to great success. I have, you know, amazing contemporary choreographers in L.A. that are my students from Pittsburgh. So I'm known for teaching male dancers. Uh, You know, this is a challenge with Brady. And he's going through kind of that awkward teenage stage right now. He was amazing when he was a little boy. I tried to get him on the show for years, but his mother was just kind of nice and fun. And she's a great mom, you know. She needs to
1: turn vicious.
0: She needs to turn vicious so that we can keep her on the show. (laughs) Yes, uh, I will tell everybody Brady comes back and, uh, you know, there's a little there's a little uh You know, the other mothers are so jealous of the kid and they're jealous of our relationship because you you talk to a boy differently than you do the girls. You teach a 14-year-old differently than you do a 10-year-old. So there's a little – I think they call it um, brabby is our – is Brady and Abby. I don't know. Oh, yes, oh. yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes. the jealousy yes. comes oh, out. Oh, my, god. Well, my. I have one thing to say. Hashtag bring Brady back, right? Is well, that hashtag is? bring Brady back. Uh, yeah, I kind of went over the producer's head and talked to the lifetime executives and Brady's back. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. All right. Everybody's got to watch Dance Moms
1: on Lifetime. Congratulations. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you. You are back. And
1: I'd love to say better than ever, but I don't think the best of you ever left. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks so much for listening to Everyone Talks to Lizzie. I promise I bring you these stories that really are amazing comebacks or rises to the top. It's about the climb, and I will end as I always do. No one gets to see a rainbow without having seen a little bit of rain first. We'll hear you next time.